Coming to you from the City of Roses, this is the broadcast by Lash Professionals and for Lash Professionals. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Today, we're excited to have Mary Hardcourt from Cosmo Glowlight join us to talk about something that's been a huge issue in our industry. And we're so thankful for really her inventiveness to really rethink a problem that is lighting, right? Lighting in our industry has not always been a strong suit. Now, real quick, we met Mary a few years ago. She came and actually took a class from us, a training course at our studio when we had Integrity Lash and was an amazing student and is now going on to do amazing things for our industry. And I know some of you or a lot of you might have glam core lights or ring lights currently in your slot. Those have limitations, but man, if you go back 15 years ago, it was horrible. We had like desk lamps, <laughs> whatever. It was like dim, dark, dingy, and horrible. The work was hard to see everything. And then thankfully, Glamcore came along, and then came ring lights, right? And they've improved. But the problem with Glamcores, while they're nice and mobile, they're great if you're traveling, they're not really good permanent installation lights because they tend to fall over real easily. And ring lights. Yeah, they're okay, but they're not really set up unless I've seen some cool salons where they've hung them from the ceiling and plugged them in the walls or whatever. And yes, then they can work nicely. So Mary said there must be a better way. And also not only that, some of these lights are really flat, like they create shadows or they don't have an even lighting. So she came out with this idea, the Cosmoglow light, which doesn't fall over and creates a very even palette for you to work with when you're working on the lashes. So anyhow, guys, we're going to get into that with her. She's going to share her journey and really... What it means to develop a product? Because I, I didn't want to just do an ad for a company. I wanted you guys to talk or hear about the journey and the struggle to make a product. Because I know a lot of you out there are thinking, I want to do a product at some point. I want to do make my own line of lashes or, or I have a new type of tool I want to make or whatever it is. So I think what we really get into is the behind the scenes, what it means to make a product. And I know that you guys are going to hopefully... In fact, hopefully, you'll get a lot from this if you're thinking about making your own product at some point. Real quick, one announcement, guys. We have our Apple podcast promotion that we're doing. If you go on and write us a review and basically screenshot and send it to Paul at lashcastpodcast.com, you will get entered into a drawing for $200, guys. I mean, really, in a sense, this is a way for us to say thank you to all of you who support us. Guys, we're getting almost 25,000 people or downloads a month now. We feel very honored, and we feel like we're in an amazing community of Lash artists, and we want to continue to help more people, but that will only happen if you get the word out for us. I can't go up to every Lash artist and introduce myself, but you can. You can introduce two or three friends, and before you know it, more and more people can be served and helped by this podcast. So if we've helped you in any way, this is your way to help us and then you can be entered into a drawing for $200. All right, guys, that's all I have for announcements. Otherwise, enjoy this episode where we sit down with Mary Hardcourt and talk about how she built her product and how hopefully you can maybe follow suit with her. Hey guys, welcome to LashCast. We are in our studios and we are today bringing you really what we'll call a Lash Innovator, someone who's doing something very unique in our industry, something that we're always excited about bringing on our podcast or people who are kind of breaking out of the the typical stuff that you see in the industry. We have lots of people who uh, train, a lot of people do lashes and we need to hear those people. But once in a while, we're blessed to get someone who's decided to think outside the box and maybe challenge the industry and do something differently. And that is Married Hardcourt. Welcome to the show. Hello. That was quite the introduction. Hi, guys. 
Glad to be here. Yeah, we we actually go back with Mary. Mary's not someone we just met recently, right? I feel, every time I see you, I feel just a little bit of pride swelling in my heart. I remember um, speaking at, uh, was it ISSE? I can't remember. Probably, yeah, locally. And like, you came to one of my classes. And it was like. I think I came to all of them. Yes, (laughs) and you had. obsessed with you guys. Yeah. You had so many questions and you were like, you know, it's when you're speaking, it's always so nice to like look out in the audience and see a friendly face. It's like, I remember. Not like, all friendly, by the way. Keep going back to your face because it was so friendly and like encouraging. I'm just like, oh, and afterwards we connected and then, you know, we, you know, we've been in touch ever since. And it's been fun to see you grow as a as an artist and as a person. Um, anyway, I just feel special pride when I look at you and see your accomplishments. Well, I feel the same way. Watching you guys grow has been amazing. I went to one of your classes, like the most informative class I've ever been to in my entire life. And to watch you guys blossom into what you have is really, truly, I mean, a little pride for me too. We do go way back and it's great to see. Yeah, no, it's very cool. So it's neat to see someone that we barely knew four or five years ago and connected with and both of us have been, you know, on our own journeys, but it's been exciting to watch you. In fact, we were just talking before we got into the podcast. Our last time together was at ISSE Long Beach last year, 2020, the day that Kobe Bryant died, which was heartbreaking. And I remember running into you on the floor there and you were just hustling and and working and, 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 and doing your thing. And that's when you really kind of told us, hey guys, I got this really cool idea so it did yeah I was like i can't show you a picture but i have something in the works and you're gonna hear from me later this year and yeah. we did here we are yeah here we are so before we get into all that what i thought would be really cool first is to give people a little quick background on you so they know that you're not some um imposter but you actually are a fellow lash artist like everyone else here and that maybe tell your background why you got in the lashes and you know what you've been doing these last you know these last five six years where you've been in the industry Yeah, I've been doing lashes five and a half years. I think my journey started so similar to other people where you see, oh, I'm going to take a class in two days and I'm going to make all of this money. It's just going to roll it. Mm -hmm. Oh, make millions. And yeah, that was a wake-up call. That was, uh, oopsie, (laughs) let's uh, reset those evaluations. But it was challenging enough that I couldn't conquer it, that it kept me involved, that I had to conquer it. It took, Mm. you know, I think the last journey takes a solid year until you're kind of good enough to understand where you're bad, mm-hmm. to know where you can improve on from there. Yeah, And I kind of became, as everyone else does, you become obsessive with it, where it's like, I know where my problems are now. How do I get better? So that's been my journey. I was a hairstylist before that and got tired of blow dryers in my face at all times and hair everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> hair is in your car and your shirts everywhere. That um, I just wanted to switch gears and go into a more relaxing atmosphere and the whole lash thing caught my eye of like, this is it. This is it. I get to sit in a nice spa room and people sleep. I don't even have to entertain them the you entire time. To, yes. Now this is awesome. And to be honest, lashes are awesome. And I'm really happy I went down that route. Very cool. And uh, basically, so you didn't just do lashes. I think you have a salon now, right? In a business. I do. I have a salon in LA. We've been open five years. We are uh, just ram packed. We love it there. And three girls, three stylists, full-time, fully booked. So it is, it's fun. Keeps us busy. Yeah. It's a calling. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and I'm sure it, it, this last year won't go into the COVID stuff. Obviously, it's been a little bit of a challenge, I'm sure, this last year compared to most. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think the entire beauty industry. I mean, let's be real. Everyone had a, it, everything turned upside down on them. Yeah, but. definitely. So, all right, cool. Well, I'm, I'm glad this so people know that you're not just someone new on the block. You've been doing this for a while. We've known you for quite a while and you've been 
you know, trying to solve a problem in their industry. Because really when it comes down to it, when I, she's come up with this product, it's called Cosmo Glow Light. I always, for some reason, get that backwards. I almost want to say Glow Cosmo Light for some reason. He does. But, he, every time we say it, it, like, it, it always Cosmo stumbles Glow. through. It I know. Cosmo Glow. I know. It's it should like Cosmo. Roll. I know. Yeah. yeah, that's just me. I'm just, you know, dumb. Anyhow, that <laughs> said, really, you came up with another light. But when it's like, why do we need another light? There was something that you were, you know, that was bugging you or something wasn't working that you decided to go and say, no, guys, we need to redraw this or rethink this, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I'm a salon owner. We have three lash rooms. And when it comes to purchasing lights, I have to buy three of them. And I tried everything on the market. I mean, we even went, I went outside the box with you, Tessany, and got the photography lights. I mean, we have tried every Mm -hmm. single light on the market and it just gets so frustrating when you do replace your lighting and it, it is expensive and you get it in and set up and three months later it breaks, or you find out that you still have shadows or the lights are heating up the room and you're literally sweating while you're doing lashes. How is there not a light that's perfect for lashing? I mean, the lash industry is not going anywhere. It's only growing. And how is there not a perfect light? A lot of the lights get very close, but nobody had it right. And I have very small rooms. We're in LA. Square footage is not a, a luxury there. And I felt like having tripods on both sides of my beds and crawling back behind both of them to start lashing, I would trip over them every day. You move positions, your foot smacks it, it comes down on your client, you you have a mini heart attack and you're like, no, no. Um, So it was just uh, the pain and frustration of the current lighting that there has to be something better. There has to be. And I'm not from the manufacturing industry. I don't have a background in that. If I did, I probably would have overthought the process and not ever gotten started with it. I was kind of dumb enough to be like, oh, you know what I should do? I should make a lash light. And here's what it would look like. I remember being like, oh, you know, the top of the tanning bed, an old school tanning bed with the UV lights, that little dome shape. Like if I could have a light that looked like that over my lash client, that would be it. That's it. And I think just, you know, men get frustrated with you complaining. I came home so many nights in a row, like, oh, I just got new lights and they're not working either. And my boyfriend was just kind of like, babe, you complain about this all the time. Like, just make a light. I don't know how to do that. He's like, come here. What would it look like? I'm like, like the top of it, the tanning bed. I got that down. I, it's going to be like light from ear to ear over your client. No tripod. And so we napkin sketched it. And that's where it all started. Yeah. Had I known now that that little napkin sketch laying in bed would change my life. I mean, who knew? But yeah. that's where it all started is there has to be a better idea out there and there isn't so i'm going to bring it to the lash world because we need it it sounds like shark tank right now by the way (laughs) (laughs) you know when when you told us that you were going to do it i was so excited because i knew that you would have a better idea um when you took my class, you you were so diligent to like do everything that I suggested. And talk and you, about and think about it. And yeah, it. and you got what we had suggested. We hacked the photo industry, you know, for f- photo shoots, and we just would buy like a multi LED panel, and it didn't look nice, but it was effective, Not aesthetically pleasing. No, we had to put it on this weird like rig, and it then was a tr- it was a C stand with a, a arm, C arm. Yeah, it was all film. But my was- background is the film industry, so I brought a film set light set. Up, which was terribly but awkward. But it was top heavy, so you have to have this big sandbag weight on it. Yeah. 
You know, we had a bag of baked beans, cans, canned beans, and clients would come in and be, is there baked beans in that bag? It's not heavy, and we have to have enough cans of beans to keep the light over your head. And you know what? It worked. It was not aesthetically pleasing, but it worked. Yeah. And that's what we had. Well, so when you said we're going to have a light, I'm like, well, it's got to be better than the light that I'm using. So I'm game. Let's yeah. try this and thing industry, out. And so far, outside of what we were doing, which was from the film industry, it's really the makeup industry that we begin our lights from. So all these companies yes. have been like making lights for makeup, for glam core and all that stuff. It, it was meant for makeup artists who are mobile, who need light lights that you can pick up and put them in the bag and carry to a film set or someone's house or so forth. So that was not really like a permanent install that we need for lash artists. No, and I think if you are a mobile makeup artist, that is the best solution. I mean, yeah. hands mm-hmm. down, that is the top thing. But we're borrowing from an industry that was never meant for us and yeah. expecting it to be top for performing, and it's just not. It falls short a couple of ways. So here we are. Well, let me tell you what I love about it. We bought it, and yeah. for the longest time, I just didn't get around to actually putting it together. But I finally said, okay, it's pandemic time, and we have the time to do it. So we did it. And I... I can't believe the light. I mean, it, there's not as many, it doesn't seem like it's as many pan, uh, light uh, bulbs on the panel, but it's brighter. Not only that, but the design of it is so sleek and beautiful. You're right about the shadows. It doesn't create any. It's just mm-hmm. this beautiful strip like an arch. Yeah. It goes over the client's head. But the cool thing about it is that you can totally turn it. You can turn it to... Um, everything pivots on it, Everything right? pivots. It's everything pivots. so yeah. streamlined, it- so beautiful. It's light, but yet it's solid. It's like because of the way that the base is, you don't have to put that bag of beans on it. <laughs> and it's stable. And it's like I can't believe that I'm getting this much light with this little space. And it also looks good. <laughs> So, yeah, it's totally sleek and modern. And I don't know if your clients have picked up on this, but I get a, a compliments from my clients all the time that it's so bright, but it doesn't hurt my eyes. Mm-hmm. The lights you had before hurt my eyes. Always would comment on, oh, it's so bright, oh, it's so bright, right? <laughs> I have not had one person say that since I turned Yeah, I, I so it's bright it. enough for us as lash artists, but it's not overpowering for the client. It really is a perfect marriage of light and brightness. And that's, again, like another amazing feature of it for lash artists to have that exact amount of brightness without it being something that discomforts the guest. Now, how did you pick the color of the light? Because it seems like it's full spectrum. I don't know if it is, but it doesn't fatigue you. It doesn't, fa- you know how sometimes the light, like you can even tell it's like a different wavelength, like when you're taking a video of well, it. And well, you they're see the LED light. lights, right? Which you can control the temperature of what you want them to be. You can. I mean, it are you can go more brighter to purple, which is the ultraviolet, or more yellow or golden. I feel as a lash artist, it's so important that we can see our work clearly that I had no interest in the warm golden yellow. Like, yeah. let's just go straight to crisp and clean. Crisp. And then with that, it's just prototyping. It's laying all panels next to each other yeah. and seeing which one does hurt your eyes because some mm-hmm. of them you look directly in and it is almost uncomfortable. Yeah. And other ones, it's like, oh, that one, that one's nice. I yeah. like that one. Is it kind of like a daylight? Do you feel like it's matching, it's trying to match daylight as far as the color spectrum or where you're at? Is it more like uh, blue? Yeah, or? I think so. It, it definitely has some violet too. It's some blue. Mm-hmm. It's a cool 
spectrum. It, yeah, no warm tones. I wanted something that was just crisp and bright. Yeah. We're dealing with pieces of hair at the end of the day. And we're gluing little tiny things onto those pieces of hair. So I wanted the light that was going to allow you to see that the most crisp and clear way. And yeah. that's the light that we ended up with. It's crisp. It's clear. And also you look pretty in it. It's, you don't look like some... Uh, I don't, but I'm glad you do. <laughs> well, that's because you're a specimen. But, um, you know, sometimes with um, fluorescent lighting or, you know, you can look kind of greenish or it doesn't yeah. have that oh, cast ugly. at all. It's 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 nice to be in it. And Well, let's let's get to something that well, I was hoping to really break down this because I know we love the product and we're going to a big shout out, but I don't want to make it as a big, you know, two-hour ad just for that. What I really want to do, <laughs> what I hope will bring some value because I hope what you just did with this last... Obviously, it's not been just a year, but this journey that you've gone on, I really want to challenge our listeners to listen to what we're hopefully going to get into, and that is really building a product from scratch with no background in the manufacturing world, no information. And I know a lot of people come with excuses and go, I can't make anything, I can't do this, or I don't have the money, I don't have the know-how. And here you are, someone who said, you know what? Actually, your boyfriend sounds like he challenged you, said, no, no, you can. And I'm going to help you. And he assisted you. I know him, supported you through this whole thing. I love to hear this process because I think for people who right now are listening or maybe at home, they're working in the last room and they see a problem and they're like, uh, I wish someone would do something. Well, that person could be you. Like you can decide. Absolutely. I'm done with this stupid problem that no one's fixing. I'm going to fix it. And if Mary can do it, maybe I can do it too. So maybe let's talk 100%. about the whole process. 100%. I think there should be so much more innovation around the world in the lash industry, but in every industry. And it really is terrifying if you think of it full spectrum. Yeah. It's terrifying. Where do I even start? How do I plug in? How much is it going to cost me? How long is it going to take? Can I do it? Yeah. The best way I can describe it is I cannonballed into a world I had no clue what it was about. If I knew, I would have sat on the sidelines and been like, yeah, no, that's not for me. Yeah. I knew nothing about it that, okay, look, what happens from here? And there's teams. There's teams that help you at these manufacturing factories, and they are research and developers. You go in literally with a napkin sketch, and they put it into a computer drawing and ask you, what do you want it to be made from? Is it plastic? Is it metals? Do you care about this, that, and the other? And they'll prototype you a design. So we got our first prototype and plugged it in, and it was love at first light. I mean, it was like, wow. Wow. I can assure you that, A, it was not nearly as bright. No part of it moved. I mean, that thing, when I put it over the bed, it was like crawling into an MRI tube. Like, you had to get under (laughs) the light. And it didn't go, it didn't adjust high or low. We have three different size beds in my studio, and they're all higher and lower. And it was like, it only fit in one of the rooms. You had to crawl underneath it. (laughs) But I started. Mm -hmm. And that's what I would challenge everyone is just start. Just start somewhere. Where do you find people like that? Because let's just say I want to design a new not tweezer, but some tool, let's just say some tool that's going to help last artists be better. Where do you go? I mean, did you just go on Google and type in manufacturing or how did you find it? It's a little bit of a chicken or an egg. They, a manufacturer wants to adopt a product that they know is going to work, but they also need your engineering to make sure it's going to work. It's a little bit of a uh, give and take of here's my idea. They vet it and go, okay, your idea is great. We can run it through a team of engineers and then we can make this for you, but can you sell enough to make it worth our time? Mm, So they give you parameters like this is how many we'll need in order to at this price point to break even or that kind of thing. Exactly. Research and development is extremely expensive. If you can make it worth their time, you're in. 
can you make it worth their time? Or do they look at you and go, okay, are you going to waste my time making one pair of tweezers? It's going to take me a year to develop. Then you're not going to pay the bill. And then here we are, we both wasted time. Or can I work with you and build you a product that you're going to sell for the next 20 years that is a very profitable product for us to bring onto our team? And yes, we would love to partner with you. Interesting. So do they take this idea, they're looking for some of the partner, I mean, they get a cut, like a percentage. You're not just paying them for their time. Like, hey, help me produce or manage manufacture this product and I just pay you up front for all that. And then they produce it and then you go out and sell it. So to speak. It's a partnership. When I took my little napkin sketch, that is not the product I have now. I couldn't have sold the amount I sold now if they didn't help me along the way. And that's kind of the partnership. You also have to find somebody that is willing to work with you. Some manufacturers, if you're not producing a million dollars, have no interest. Other ones will take you on from prototype and say, you know, if I work with you as a prototype, we can grow you into a great client. And that's what we're more interested in is making sure that we can give you a product that you're going to go sell and we'll we'll be busy producing your product for the rest of our lives. So it is a little bit of a give and take in trying to figure out, do you have a good enough Mm -hmm. product? With mine, I know it was a challenge at first to get 150 units. It's like, okay, we're going to do 150 units. And I, there's a little feedback and kickback of like, are you going to be able to sell 150 of these? And it's like, 150, how many can you make? Yeah. Like, what's the number? And it, it was uh, at first, you know, I placed the order. And by the way, side note for anyone that ever wants to produce, don't sell your very last product. I sold 150 lights and made and yeah. ordered 150 lights. Yep. No yes. room for error. Whew, that is a uh, lesson learned. There is always room for error. And please, like, yeah. Yeah. allow no margin. But what happened was, by this, yeah, whew, yeah, you definitely want to not sell your very last light on first batch and deal with the problems later. But by the time that we were ready to make that 150, I had already sold them and I was well into my next batch. And I think that's where they kind of started to see the steam rolling of, oh, wow, Mm. so you can sell these. Okay, we're going to help you make it better. And then the next batch came and then the next batch came. And they helped me go along the way going, you know, it's kind of silly that this does that. We can switch it out and it's going to be 10 times easier. Yes, let's do it. Okay. And then the next batch comes where it's like, oh my God, that was so much easier. Well, hey, if you're open to this change, it would make more sense if we did it this way. It would just be easier for engineering. It would cause less waste. It would be easier to produce. Well, yeah, let's do that. So they helped me as much as I helped them. They created a, a, I mean, I, I brought them the idea. They fine-tuned and tweaked it. And we still are. It's a process. We get changes made on them constantly. At least at least once a month, we're changing a portion of the light to get it better, stronger, easier to assemble everything and make it more easy to yeah. make Sounds like they're production. more vested, by the way, I as you have show proven. the ability that you can prove a proof of concept. They're now more willing to, to give you feedback and, and all that, right? Exactly. And that's where the partnership comes in is you have an idea. And if they processed everyone that came to them and said, I have an idea, get nothing done, they, yeah, they would yeah. never get anything done. And so you kind of have to prove a little bit of this is a great idea. Everyone has a great idea. We've heard this a thousand times. Everyone has a great idea. How is yours different? Well, mine's different because it's in a niche market and I guarantee it's a home run. I don't know the first thing about manufacturing it, but if you can help me, I'll lock in with you and we're going to make a ton of these things. And as it gets started, you know, it was a little bit of, oh, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's make this better because I can see that this is going somewhere. So yeah, it's been a no, partnership. That's really cool. And for you, did you uh, just go online and Google and look for manufacturers? Did you go to a manufacturing conference? Uh, you have to do your research. You have to find someone 
in the area that you're looking for. I'm in electronics. If I was looking for tweezers, okay. I'm at the wrong place. And you also have to find someone that's willing to take in projects. The manufacturer I'm working with actually started a whole project of what would happen if we took someone from conception and grew them. And our timelines met perfectly so that I was the project they took on as they were thinking we usually only accept jobs at this amount of money and this amount of product. What if we did start them younger? Maybe we could be the newest manufacturing on the block to help people grow their product, going back to like the whole Shark Tank thing. So many people have these beautiful ideas and there is such a barrier to entry in the manufacturing world that I was able to find one that was interested in, hey, we have an idea. What if we start with small manufacturings and grow them? Is this something that would work? And I don't know what their (laughs) final verdict is. Well, so far, so good, right? I mean, it looks like you're heading in the right direction. It kind of sounds like it's um, like trying to find a partner or a spouse or, you know, like you have to make sure that you're both at the right place. That you're both looking, you're both looking at the right place to get something out of it. Um, And then you have to, you know, communicate. Yeah. Is it going to benefit both parties? And also, I almost was kind of, when you try and get new clients, you're more willing to give them a special than yes. when you're completely full. So if you realize that there's a lot of time in your, in your books, I would rather give you a free set and hope you love my lashes and you'll yes. get them for the rest of your life. Versus if I'm fully booked, it's like, I'm now get in line. I'm booked out two months in advance. You can pay the deposit. I happen to match up with them the same time yeah. that they matched up with me to take a risk on me. And that was part of their project is what if we do go back and start growing people from infancy and bring them the whole way up and I got lucky. No, I mean, like any business. I mean, there's a show I'm trying to remember with Guy Raz, was it? Um, How I Built This? How I Built This. I mean, it's a podcast. It's a podcast. I highly recommend it. But oh my gosh, how many times have I heard an entrepreneur trying to build something in just the right timing? Just everything kind of just happened to fall in place. If it weren't for that, then it would have never happened. Or maybe it would have happened six months later. I'm speaking of timing. I mean, timing was everything with this project. I've been prototyping for about a year and a half, two years. It was always that, you know, when you're in your last room, lashing, your mind just wonders of bigger and better things outside of this last room. What exactly is that? And when will that kick in? And then COVID happened. So all of a sudden my salon was closed and I didn't quite know what to do with the time on my hands. Um, I'm a busy body. I like to stay busy and my mind is always going. I'm always working on 10 different projects. And all of a sudden the rug got pulled out from underneath me. Our salon wasn't taking clients who were closed for COVID. And it just became, a, okay, what can I do now? So I started taking courses and reading books. And, you know, I have this great light. Maybe I should just launch that. Here it is. Share it with the world. I have a beautiful opportunity. Who knew at the time we were going to be closed for three months? I thought maybe we had three weeks off. But I put all the effort into switching gears and directing it into Cosmo Glow. And that is the reason it is the light that it is today was because of the COVID shutdown that I just switched gears and was able to put all my attention into it. I don't know truly if I would ever have launched the product still running a fully staffed and book salon. So I'm very thankful as much as it was a crazy year, I can look back now and be like, wow, that was a blessing. There's a lot of people saying that now. And we're going to see, I think in the next couple of years, we're going to see a lot more people who took chances when they had nothing to lose, right? I mean, if everything shut down at that point, just go right. for it, take it. And if you're even now, you're like, maybe you're half slow because you're not as busy as you normally were. Well, maybe this is that time to start dabbling in something else that you've always thought about doing and, and giving it a shot. Now, again, about the manufacturing, I guess for you, um, do you manufacture here in the States or do you manufacture overseas or... 
We manufacture here in the States. It is in Northern California. I chose to go down that route because you can tour the facility. When you start going overseas, it's almost like you get what you're given. And there is a lot of room for error. And I don't have a large budget. I was starting as a single lash artist. I can't afford to spend $20,000 on lights. They're going to take three months to get here. And what if they arrive broken or scratched or defective or they just aren't what I want? It's a wasted investment. And it is a little bit more expensive, but almost par for course as what you're going to pay overseas, I feel like overseas has kind of raised their prices and U.S. has found a way to do things more efficiently, that the pricing is nearly the same. You will pay more manufacturer in the U.S., but it comes with benefits like on-demand changes, things that, hey, this didn't work out in the next round, two weeks from now, can we adjust this? Absolutely. Here you go. It's done. And can tour the facility. And I met with the engineers and the whole double swivel for it to move out of the way was a pressure point of it shouldn't actually work. And that was what I told them was, but that's what makes the light the light. <laughs> like I'm the only light in the industry that does it. If it doesn't do that, then I kind of don't have interest in this project. And being able to meet in the same room and knock out, okay, if you want to do that, then it's going to take this, this, and that. I just don't think you have the same options when it comes to overseas and you can put a lot of investment and spend a lot of money and sometimes get a container full of crap. I just thought if it's going to be dollar for dollar, I would rather spend more and have full control and be able to walk through and talk to these people. And still, I mean, things happen. We have a sync call every Wednesday with our manufacturer and to go over any problems that happened, what's our timeline, how are we doing, is there anything that needs to be changed? And just having that connection of a weekly check-in of, hey, we're thinking this, that, or the other. Okay, cool. Let me check in with the team. We'll have it fixed by next week. Is such a beautiful um, leverage over doing something international or overseas that I didn't want to take the risk. Plus you have cultural problems you can hit and miss with someone overseas, language problems. I mean, there's lots of more obstacles and barriers that can make your job really difficult. Plus they're in a different time zone. Like I know when I would talk to people in Asia, cause we would buy a lot of our products from Asia. I would have to be up at one, two, three in the morning to be able to make that connection. A hundred percent. And the thing is, like, it's not like my product didn't have problems. We it, were in a launch. Things, we have problems, a hundred percent. And I do often wonder, I wonder if it would have been more or less if I did overseas. But come to where we are now, where I'm able to have these sync calls and check in and, hey, this is having a problem and it's solved. It's fixed and moving forward. They're manufactured without that defect now from now on having that connection where I can call, email, and talk to them and get a response back within an hour was just a no question than shipping it overseas and like crossing your fingers and going, hope this works. Yeah. So that's why I chose to stay within the States. And at first, you know, I was wondering, did I make a mistake? Now that I'm this far into it, I am 100% so thankful and glad that I did stay within the States. It made a world of difference. You're you're helping jobs in the United States, which I think Americans are even more than ever aware. Like, can we just help keep jobs here? Because truth is, we're tired of seeing everything leaving the country. And so it's beautiful to see you invest in that. And I think people are willing to pay a little bit more for that. I know I am. I'm willing to see if something's made in the United States. No, it even cost me a dollar, ten dollars, fifteen dollars more, whatever it is. I'm like, I don't care because I I know that money is going to help families and people here. So I think that's beautiful. I want to go back just a second because I I think as people are listening, they're they're going to be thinking, well, I would really like to give this a shot. I have some ideas, and so. Where are places, I, I've kind of said this a couple of ways and we keep, I, we keep getting so much information out here. I always want to get back to that first question is where would they go? Like, I mean, look, is it as simple as Google type in electrical manufacturing and you'll see companies that you'll see websites and then you just like, you have to have a pitch or a deck. You have, that you to, have to know present them. what category you're 
dealing with? I think you have to know what category you're dealing with. I definitely have done my research for other lighting companies in LA. Is there other lighting companies I can go through in a cheaper area in Kansas or somewhere like that? Because California is not a cheap place to manufacture. However, I did have that relationship built where now I'm so invested with them and they are with me that I would never change. But if you are starting from scratch, it may be a, a great option for you to do overseas. It's not that it's not great for everyone. It just wasn't the path I chose, but maybe overseas is great. I know a lot of lash products come from overseas and they're just more trained to handle them. Also, I'd say probably forums, trade shows. Go to the trade shows where these people are. They're there looking for you and you're there looking for them, especially forums as well to drop in whatever area you're going to. I mean, it does take research. You make a lot of phone calls. You make a lot of emails. And I can't even tell you how many people I emailed going, hey, I had this light product and never heard back. It's just that then somebody does say, hey, we'd like to schedule a call and talk to you about this and move forward. And that's where you go. But it's going to be different for everyone. Who I work with is probably not going to work with anyone making lashes or tweezers. But that doesn't mean that there aren't a hundred people out there wishing that their your path would connect with them. It's just a matter of doing your research and finding which avenue is going to match up with you and with them and going from there. Yeah, I think like for instance, just so people understand one conference, let's just say you're trying to make beauty products for the industry. Well, I'm right now the best place to go is Cosmoprof in Vegas, where you see manufacturers, distributors, and all these other companies packaging there. Companies. Packaging companies. And you could literally walk in. We did. We sat down with people who are chemists. They're like, mm-hmm. what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, I want, we were thinking about making a product like this. You go, oh, we have a formula that's similar, but that's new. And that'd be really exciting. Now, it's crazy expensive to develop a product from scratch. You could also go on the white label, they call them, or private label, where you just buy their product and slap your label on it. And you get that odd cause of problem. Now, that's specifically if you want to do like eyeliners, you want to do foundations, makeup, whatever it is you're nail thinking. Products. Nail products. A lot of that. In fact, they do have actually other manufacturing there. I think related to the lash industry. and But there's also a lot of end users. I mean, like you'll see tweezer companies there trying to just dump their tweezers. So it's not like you're going to manufacture tweezers. They're literally going to say, I, I mean, they'll tell you anything. Don't believe anything they tell you. They're Literally everything comes out of their mouths. So I feel it's a lie. But that said, most of these people there are just trying to sell, try to find like-minded people who can take on projects, develop new things. And it's very exciting. So if that's what you're thinking. That's a great pro- one to go. It's in Vegas. Actually, this year it's going to be, I believe, end of August, normally in late June, early July. But because of COVID, they've pushed it back to the end of August. And it's a great place for people to, if you think, pro- now your stuff, obviously going there, you're not going to develop a light product. So you probably, there's probably other conventions. I bet there's a light convention, right? Or I'm, electronics I'm, or. There's electronics, there's lights, there's there's so many different uh, trade shows are definitely a, the, the place you go to connect. The, the people that make the products are looking for you, you're looking for them and you just link up and make sure that all your little milestones and markers are reasonable. I mean, some have huge buy-ins and that was not an option with me. I could have a little buy-in and I think they were giving me a shot as far as you're going to have a little buy-in and we're not going to take you that seriously. And then once it got to the next step, it's like, okay, we'll take you a little bit more seriously. Can you up the ante? And then it became like, okay, we're actually invested now. This is what we can do for you and you can do for us. And we have a partnership. But it didn't start that way. It was a little like everyone's kind of feeling each other out. Is this going to work for you? Is this going to work for me? And you go from there. But it does say it's research. 
It's research. It's a lot of phone calls. You're not going to walk in and find the first person you meet is probably not going to be who you end up choosing, but it's rabbit holes. I used to search like Google pages of who I could reach out to and not everyone responds and other people are like, well, we started a million dollars. How much do you have? It's like, uh, no, (laughs) it's finding that partnership and having it match up where somebody was interested in starting with a small company and seeing if they could grow. Mm -hmm. And I happened to be that small company that was interested in an idea that I had and we linked up. And it's definitely been learning lessons all over the place. I mean, I didn't walk in knowing what I know now and I still have miles to learn, but we're so much further ahead. And I'm so thankful they gave me that opportunity. And it is a continual growth pattern of going back and forth with each other. I have a question about the packaging. Now, did they help you with the packaging? Like the box that it comes in? They did help with the packaging. That box is so complex. And like I said, it's in California. So I flew up there and they showed me, here's a couple options. I don't know what the difference is. What do you recommend? (laughs) It's like, we could do foam inserts. We could do this. We could do that. We could bank a little handle on it. I don't know what's going to work. And our packaging is actually extremely expensive. It's a huge part of the light because there are so many little pieces to keep everything safe. And that all comes at a cost. You know, it was like I had to pay for the cardboard. I think they call them jigs that they press against the cardboard to shape the boxes and you buy that. And we thought about changing it and it requires me to repurchase a whole nother jig. So that's, that is what it is. And These are all the things you never thought of. I mean, we have foam inserts. We have this. We have that. I just wanted a box. Make me a box. (laughs) You just whatever. But it's so much more complicated, but that's their area. You know, they have an engineer and all he does is make sure that whatever product you put in it can be safe while you're shipping it. And that's his plugin. And he showed me multiple different types and styles and let me pick based on price and safety and security. And we kind of did a whole trifecta of, I want all, what can we do to get these lights safely shipped somewhere where they're still protected? And it's not going to cost me a complete arm and a leg because it does transfer down to the buyer. And I'd like to keep these as affordable as possible to the end client. And that's the box we came up with. There's a lot to talk about because it's it's heavy too. It's not light. I mean, it's not heavy, no. heavy, but it's not like it's going to cost 10 bucks to ship this. I mean, you have to consider the shipping costs. And then I love this. People probably don't even realize, or maybe you got this. I was thinking, okay, you have your light you manufacture. Now you have to break it down so that you can put it in a box but also not make it insane to like Ikea furniture sometimes to assemble where it's like, yeah. you're going to need a degree to figure out how it all goes together. I mean, it's all different problem solvers. I mean, truth be told, our lights are definitely more difficult to assemble than the usual tripod that pops out of a bag. Yeah. And we, we try and relate that as far as it is a piece of furniture. You're buying a piece of furniture for your last room. This is not a portable pull out of a thing, Mary Poppins bag, pop it up and go. This is, this is a chunk of, it's solid, it's stable, and it's it takes some assembly. But once it up, once it's up, hopefully that is the last time you ever have to put that together and it's gonna safely serve you from there on out. It is expensive to ship around, it's a heavy light, and it's a little bit of assembly to get it together. But once it's there, it's there, and we try and help that be. I mean, it is a piece of furniture. No, I remember when we got it and opened it, and I remember thinking, wow, it's not as much as I thought. I went, it's actually just a few pieces. It's very complex. But I do remember having a hard time getting the cable through the stupid tube <laughs> to go along. Yeah, with that's, that. been now. that's been fixed now. That's been fixed. So awesome. But that's it. I mean, it's like you're just learning. You go. And that, what I loved about mm-hmm. one of the, my things that I, when I was thinking about this and preparing and writing notes about it and just thinking of questions and all that, I said, you know what's really cool is that you didn't just wait till everything was done. Like you just started doing stuff. And we have a saying, you know, action brings clarity. And if you had waited till you had figured it all out, you would not exist today, right? It would still be a night oh, on a no. napkin. 
cannonball, cannonball into the pool and figure out how to swim out of it because it, it's going to be so much more than you ever thought that if you stop and try and think about how much it's going to be, you're going to scare yourself away. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's going to be messy. It's going to be dirty. It's going to be unplanned. Things are going to go wrong. But if you don't go through those steps, you're never going to get to the other side. And I think that's like a huge lesson too, is people are so scared to mess up. Mess ups are going to happen. Things are going to go wrong. But the more that you can take those mess ups and mistakes and things, defects that go wrong, we take everything, like any of our lights that ever fail, go straight back to the engineer's desk. They pull them apart and find what went wrong. And then from there, they correct it at a factory level. So all of our new lights come out with that already in place and fixed. But the lesson of finding out where that failure is, is painful. It hurts. It's painful for the person that their light just went out on them in the middle of a session. It's painful for me to be like, hey, it's my name out there and it just failed. But it makes us 10 times stronger to find out what happened and go, okay, well, that's fixed. On to the next one. And it's just going back to your whole thing. If you try and correct all the problems, you're never going to start. Yeah. You know, and that's, I think that's where we start. And we're always looking for excuses why I can't, why I can't. I mean, another one is always about money. How many times have people decided not to do something? Oh, I don't know. I mean, we thought about it years ago, back when everyone was starting product lines. I think it was like 2010, 11, we started talking, well, maybe we could start a product line. And I was like, well, it's going to take too much capital. We're going to need to spend ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. And then I find out some of these brands, no, no, we started out with $2,000. We bought $2,000 in product, sold it. And kept four thousand dollars, and we went back and bought more product with that four thousand. Like they just built, they started really small, and they built up. And it sounds like for you, it was one hundred fifty lights. So that's not like you went out with ten thousand lights your first round. No, it was definitely scary. I mean, even even one hundred fifty lights is a scary number. Of if this goes bad, then it goes bad. But I also had a dead spot where my career and everything, my salon had completely stopped. What else do I have to lose? This yeah. is the time to like lock and load. And it did run through my head of okay, maybe this all goes away. But I could have spent it on something stupid. I could have went on like a gambling cruise and spent ten grand <laughs> or last cruise like, and lose. And, yeah, yeah. I might as well make something of it. Yeah. But exactly that. I mean, I'm six months into it and I have yet to even see a dollar out of it, but we just keep taking whatever we earn and throwing it back in and the orders keep getting larger yeah. and larger. And you know, I know eventually one day there's going to be a beautiful payout from this, but right now we're just so focused on every dollar that comes in is just put right back into the company so we can get it a hundred percent and go global eventually. Yeah. And it just takes a lot of motivation, put your head down, get it done. You can't walk into owning a new product or a lash line and think, oh, I'm going to have this for a month. And then I'm going to take a month off and go sit on the islands and drink pina coladas all day. It's just not the reality of the situation. It takes a lot of effort and a lot of energy and just getting your head down and going, okay, we're on this path and we're going to get there. And I don't think it takes a whole lot. If someone's stuck on, oh, I don't have the money, you do need a little bit. You have to start somewhere, but start somewhere. Start with whatever you have because truly, I honestly think if you go out, if I would have taken a loan for $150,000, I think I would have blown all the money away because the lessons were so much better when I only had 150 lights mm-hmm. and had lessons to learn. Yeah. If I would have spent the $150,000 and had 2,000 lights go out, I think I would have just, I mean, I would have failed. Mm-hmm. So the failures are... They're so much better when they're smaller and then you can tackle that and get bigger and tackle that and get bigger and tackle that and get bigger. And I must say, and problem when you take that big loan, now you are making decisions to service the loan. All you're worried about is I got to pay this 
debt. So every decision is only based around that. It's not necessarily based around what's best for the product, what's best for your client. It's whatever I can do to make a buck right now. And that's not a place you want to begin, really. It's not. And the lessons, you want them to stay small. I mean, when you make a mistake, it, it hurts. And you want that hurt to be as small as possible. And I think that's just all part of the game is I think there's actually something very beautiful in not having the funds. I know a lot of people do get stuck on, oh, I just don't have the money or maybe I'll take a loan. No, work with what you have. I mean, if you lash any extra and you say, I'm going to take three extra people a week and I'm going to put that into a little separate account. And when I have enough money, I'm going to go and invest in a pair of tweezers and make a line out of it or lashes. I think that actually is a much smarter business plan than saying, I'm going to go take a loan out and then create my own product line. Because the lesson is so hard and rocky and brutal along the way that you want to keep that as small as possible. You don't want to start with your entire investment learning and making those mistakes with your entire investment. Necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah. I mean, when I worked in the film industry, I really, really admired the independent, low-budget filmmakers because they would have to take $500,000 and make it look like they spent five, you know, $50 million. And they had to be more inventive. And they often came up with more cool camera tricks, more cool editing or different clever ways of telling a to story. To stretch that dollar. To stretch that dollar. And I think that's the same thing when you're an entrepreneur with a business. You know, you're forced to be more creative, which will maybe bring you to better solutions than if you just had a big pot of money. A hundred percent. You're going to be a little bit more scrappy. You're going to be a little bit more effective. You're going to learn how to run a little bit more efficiently and you're going to learn faster because if you have that nice big loan, you're going to sit back and be like, okay, cool. I have the money and then I'm going to get the product and I'm going to make all this money. And that's not how it works. It's, it's actually completely backwards. It's a process and it's one step at a time and you, you don't need this big loan. You don't need this big stack of cash. You can start small and I highly suggest starting small. And if that's your excuse, then you're lying to yourself. You can start with whatever you have and grow from there. It doesn't need to be this big thing. I am so thankful I didn't take out a loan or start big because I think I would have failed a hundred times more, faster, harder, and it you know would have hurt and left a, a scar versus you know, I wasn't perfect. Nobody is. And I came out of the gate, but those lessons were learned so early on that it, it made us more effective later on and know how to now market and grow a company better than if I would have pulled out a loan and had all this cash sitting around. I think I would have been a terrible business owner at that point. And I think the big lesson too that people would, I really want to point out for people as they're listening is when you now make money, like you said, you're pouring all that money back in the company to grow it. I mean, let's just say you use 150 lights. Let's say you made $10,000, whatever it is, or $5,000. And then you take that money and, and you've doubled it. And so now you, you have 10,000. And now you take that 10,000, you double again, and now you have 20. And you keep growing that, but all that money goes back in the company. Because truth is, if you once you had that twenty thousand or forty or fifty thousand, if you were to say, "Well, I'm going to pay myself twenty thousand, that kills your ability to get the next production run going. So all of a sudden, one hundred percent, like you, all that money has to go back in. Now there is a point when the company hits, you know, let's say hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand. You probably even have a target where you're like, once we get here, I can start pulling a salary from the company and start paying myself dividends from all this work. But otherwise, until then, they have to be patient and. You have to be thinking long-term here. Too many people I think I hear always about making money now, now, getting the payout, payout. I mean, for us, I think we did a podcast for a year and a half before we made a dime off any promotion of doing anything we did. A year and a half of working and a lot of hours, a lot of promotion, and literally getting nothing from it. And that's just the way people need to be thinking more if they want to build a product. A hundred percent. And I also want to add in that a lot of people, I think, oh, I do lashes and I'm fully booked, so I can't 
pursue this avenue, Mm -hmm. that's actually the most beautiful position to be in because right now I am fully booked. I have my clients, my staff, and my salon, and I have my consistent paychecks from that, that it allows the other half of this to run itself and dump everything back in. Where if you're in a last room and your mind's wandering and you're thinking, oh, I really want to do this, but I don't know if I can like give up clients or give up a day. Mm -hmm. That's the best case scenario to be in. Take as much as you can, sustain yourself through your day job. And then this is a side project until it starts paying the bills. But it's beautiful to never be using it as an excuse of, oh, I'm already doing this. That's great that you're making paychecks doing lashes or that you're managing a salon or however it's working. That's like a safety net that now all your bills are paid and you can go pursue this other avenue. Don't ever think, oh, I have to stop doing what I'm doing to give that 100% attention. It's totally fine to build them both at the same time. And I'm so thankful that that was my journey. And be patient. It'll maybe take a little longer. I mean, it's beautiful if you're like, I'm going to quit my job today, burn the boats, as they say, at the shore and just 100% in on this. But that's not the only way of doing it. And it depends on your situation. And some people, it's better to just slowly grow. That's what we did with our podcast. We were going to keep our salon and do these things. And then there's salon clothes. And that gave us a little bit more time for this. But that was, it was the right time. So it, it all depends. Yeah. I have a question. You ordered 150 lights to begin with. Did you have a plan on how you were going to sell those? How are you going to move those? I yeah. mean, yeah. what's your marketing plan, I guess, yeah, or strategy guess, on all yeah. that? You know, I don't think I ever had one. This happened (laughs) so quick. This was like an overnight, like I'm sitting here on COVID with nothing to do. It's really in my thumbs. Maybe I'll launch this light. And at that time, we had, my salon was closed. I placed the order and then your terms come in. So my terms are 50% down. Everything has to be paid within 30 days of the last unit leaving the building. And that was a lot of money. I mean, I didn't have that much money. I, if I scrounged everything I had, I could have probably made it work. But I mean, I'm talking about like I was going to dump every account I had to bring enough to pay this bill. And so I thought, well, what if I just sell them prior to them actually going out? So I did pre-sales and that was helpful. And the only way I knew how to pre-sell was just get it to the audience and see if it was something that was going to work. So I believe my first one was in a Facebook forum. And then from there, we started growing an email list and anywhere that I could say, Hey, I have this light. I think you guys would love it. And it became kind of grew from there. And then people would share it and this and that. And it, it grew. The grassroots. Yeah. I don't know that I ever had any projections. I don't know if I was like, oh, I, when I sell this many, I'll be happy. Mine was like, well, let's just see if this works. Yeah. This is cool. Yeah. This is a fun project. And then it started from there. And because of how mine set up, we did a lot of pre-sales, which put the money into the account for me to give to the factory. There you go faster than I could have never done it reverse where I pay for the lights to be stored. And then we sell them one at a time for a while. We were doing pre-sales where we would sell the lights while they were being made. So we could transfer all the money over and close out the, uh, the PO and then start another one. And that's what worked for me, which is another option to go. So it's not so much money out of your pocket right away. That's great. I mean, that's really interesting. It's kind of like kickstarting, you know, when people do Kickstarter, like they go out and they collect the money for whatever project they're doing. Like I'm a board game guy, a lot of board games get kickstarted. They collect $5 million on Kickstarter and then they go and they make the game until a year from now you'll get it. So in some ways it sounds like you did. And by the way, just as a side note, as I was looking at your Instagram account, you're almost at 10K. Congratulations. That's happening really soon. Thank um, you. It's really amazing, guys. And this tells you, I can just tell you, this is where you're hitting the hot button. You're hitting a huge need in the industry. One, I see every day you have many people posting your light. So they love your light. You have a fan base that's rapidly growing and people are sharing that. But also what I love is that you've, your account's not even a year old and you're almost at 10K. 
And we've made a goal because I messed up with my salon. I tried a different like bot to add friends back in those days. Don't yeah, ever do that. It messes no. up your rhythm. Holy. Um, so I, when I started this account, we started at one and I made a full commitment to that I would not touch it in any way. It is 100% organic. And I am so thankful for that now to be at almost 10K and look back and it is so organic and the algorithm super high and our engagement is amazing that now it just propels itself. Yeah. It's so, to just anyone growing. that has an Instagram account, it's not about the following. It's just let it be organic, let it be true, let it be real, and let it grow itself. And you're providing something that when people see, I just know when a last artist sees it goes, that's what I've been looking for forever. I Literally, this is what I've been waiting for. It's the first time I've looked at a light and everything just makes sense. And it's just really, really, really great. And I think that you tapped into the zeitgeist, where it is that people have that they need this. And that's why it's just organically grown. You weren't forcing something on people. You weren't switching someone. You just said, I'm meeting the need. And guess what? Your people are just out of the woodworks all over. Yeah, I do lashes. So it was my frustration of daily basis, either kicking over a tripod or having something uh, break or fail or not be bright enough or being too hot that it's like, oh, this is so aggravating. I can't be the only one feeling like this so i'm gonna put this out there and hopefully it works and hopefully other people are feeling the same way and we do get that response all the time where it's like girl you went into my brain picked out my ideas and put together in a light this is amazing and that's great to hear that it does help you know we are on target for something that is so needed in the lash industry i think the takeaway is sometimes you got to think more about the problem that you're trying to meet for people versus you selling people what you think they need. Like I'm just going, I can sell this. I'll just make something new and I'll force it on the world. You got to really be in touch with, and this is not just with products like other lash artists, but even your clients, be be in touch with what they want. You got to be thinking, what does that client want? When they walk in the salon, when they walk in your business, what do they want? Can I deliver that? What type of experience? What kind of lashes and all that? Stop almost thinking, I want everyone to do mega volume. I'm going to force them all to do mega volume. And then you're wondering why you're not busy. Right. You you want to, what's going on? You want to fix their problems. If they're feeling like their eyes are too small and lashes makes their eyes bigger, then you want to make sure that you can deliver on that. And you're not just saying, oh, for you, I'm going to do cat eye in this length. It's like, maybe that's not what they want. Maybe if their want is a problem or solution they're looking for is to make their eyes bigger. You give them a lash that makes their eyes bigger and you have a client. Yeah. That's the big lesson I think here as I look at this is that the reason why you guys blew up is because you literally just said, what does every lash art struggle with and one of the biggest pain points probably over the last ever since we started is it, always been lighting i know for Tustany that's always been for her for crying out loud can we just get good lighting and a lot of people for a long time didn't think it was important too there were a lot of lash artists with dim lights and arguing oh, yeah. oh it can't be too bright because it's In too bright cave. it's going <laughs> to disturb the client i'm like but then you can't find the bonds you can't make good lashes so you're going to give them a nice comfortable dim light so that you can't lash i mean it didn't make <laughs> sense so right yeah. and another takeaway too is just start whatever avenue if it's lashes if it's you want a product line if it's you have this innovation don't wait and try and make things perfect they're never going to be perfect just start and just absorb as much information about getting to the next level as possible and you're eventually going to get there if you think it's all going to be perfect you it's just never going to start so get started whatever it takes even if you're unfamiliar with the industry or the the avenue you're going down research learn and be able to have an open mind and learn from your mistakes and learn from other things and learn from forums and learn from um articles that you're reading and you're eventually going to get there and sometimes you know if two people started at the exact same time and had two great ideas 
at the end of the day, it's going to be the person that started and moved forward, whether it was super fast or super slow. You can look mm-hmm. back and the other person's still trying to get all their details and their coloring and their fonts correct for their brand. It, that's not what makes it. It's getting started. Yeah. And I think, like you said, I love is, you know, start small. No shame in starting small. In fact, that really takes away the excuses. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. Like, hey, man, build 50 units of whatever you have and try Mm -hmm. to sell that. And that's also low risk then. So maybe you only lose a thousand bucks and you can recover from that versus, I mean, I've talked to some of these major brands and they're like, we, when we do something now, it costs us hundreds of thousands of dollars to pivot. That is really risky because at one bad miss, and you lose two, three, four hundred thousand dollars on a bad investment, that could be the end of your company. And mm-hmm. so it's there's something very beautiful about being small, sleek, and mean and just able to just bend with the wind if you have to and and not be overcommitted and then like, okay, I tried, but like you said, I took a hundred and fifty thousand dollar loan, lost it, have no money coming in, now I'm just working to pay off a loan. Yeah, remove all the excuses. Yeah. Start somewhere start small. It's okay that you don't have a lot. I'm a lash artist. Like we all know that we don't roll into millions and millions of dollars. I didn't have this extra cash sitting around. I just kind of said, okay, I'm going to try this. And if it doesn't work, it goes down as a learning lesson and a story. And it worked. And we kind of kept growing and growing and growing from there. But sometimes I think people look at the barrier to entry as, well, I don't have all the time in the world, or I don't have all this money and I didn't either. So yeah. if anything, please take away that I know all of our minds are overactive in these last rooms because we have no one else to talk to and our clients are sleeping <laughs> and you have dreams and like aspirations and just pursue them. And it's okay if you don't knock it out of the park the first time, at least you started and you got somewhere and you found what worked and what didn't work and you can hone in from there. And at the end of it, you're going to be so thankful you went on that journey yeah. versus just not. Yeah, that's great. And that's hopefully that's an encouragement to everyone. I'm sure you should be following. Well, first, let's find where can people find you? Where should they follow you and all that? Yeah, you can visit us online at thecosmoglow.com. You can also find us on Instagram at the Cosmoglow Light. And we post all of our stories. We do all real live customers, people, everyone that has our lights, we repost. So there's nothing on there that's going to be fake or marketed. It, it just it is what all of our customers are out there and we repost. So I think it's really fun that we're truly organic and you see real life and real studios and everyone's last room. Yeah, I think what's cool is I that you that. can get almost um, last room inspiration by looking at your, <laughs> totally. your story. Yeah, our stories every day. Yeah, it's like that's they, a, you guys have cool classrooms, like ideas I would never even think of. I'm like, that is so awesome. I love seeing that. There's nothing better for me. The most rewarding part of all of this is seeing the lights in the classrooms. I just that is that makes every day worth it. And um, I think it's cool too for everyone else to get ideas. And I don't know whether it's how they decorated it or the dark color they chose for their wall. You look at the classroom going, oh, okay, girl, that looks great. That is cool. And that and my goal is to have a picture of me in every classroom in the United States. That's actually- <laughs> I'm actually going to start signing photos and just have a stack. And when someone calls and asks for it, I'll send them a photo. And you know what? We should just do a campaign. Paul in every last room. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, not every idea is a good idea. There you go. Is that the other lesson? That's the other takeaway. Not every idea is a good idea. But there are so many good ideas that I I wish you got, like everyone could kind of take them seriously. And you don't have to start huge or start. Just start somewhere. Get started. She has like tons. I mean, Tusney is for years is like, I got this idea, this idea, this idea. I'm the logistics guy, which is probably not always good to have around an idea person because logistics people like, no. like to say no. Like no. We, we like to say, nope, can't be done. <laughs> nope, that's really hard. I've learned to try a different approach where it's yes and yes, that's a good idea. We'll or just yes, do it in forever, uh, never from now. <laughs> but but also it's sometimes it's a matter of focus too, right? I mean, I'm sure for you, 
okay, I got this going. Well, now I can do this. So I can do this. I mean, you have Funny, to- Funny, I was just thinking about that. Seeing you last year, I remember holding the phone going, I can't show you what I'm working on, but I was also working like five different things. And I remember saying, like, you're going to hear a lot from me next year because I thought I could launch five companies at once. And I think, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Back burner, like, whew, I went with one and even that's overwhelming, but we're getting there. And I look and go, what was I thinking? But they were all good ideas. Yeah. And- just find an idea and run with it. Pick one. Yeah, pick one and go. And if that one doesn't work, pick out your next yeah. one and go. Runner up steps up and hopefully that will be your big winner. So anyhow, I, we could keep going on this. Hopefully everyone listening has found this inspirational. Follow Mary, follow her company. And hopefully this will be you. If, you, if you've been thinking about this, I, I think if uh, Mary's done this, I know that a lot more people can follow in your same footsteps. And I would love to see our industry continue to grow and evolve. We really are an interesting time for our industry. I think we hit a plateau a few years ago where nothing much was happening. And boy, in these last two, three years, there's just been an explosion of different products, different ideas, new ways of doing things. And I'm so encouraged and excited. And hopefully people are too, by seeing your story and see what you're up to. Yeah, I love it. I mean, at the end of the day, lashes aren't going anywhere and there's so much room for innovation. If you have an idea, I encourage you all to run with it and get it out there because it is so rewarding to have this little idea that you had in the lash room and watch it blossom into something so beautiful that other lash artists can adopt and it makes their life better. Yeah, that's really rewarding. It's been wonderful talking to you, Mary. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. Of course. Thank you, guys. And when you have your next third, fourth, or fifth company idea, you know, we'll have you back, right? (laughs) One's been enough. Two's been Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me on. And that's pretty much it, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I want to ask you to please follow us on Instagram at Lashcast Podcast and at the Lash Conference. And then remember to subscribe, share, and review. If you do that review now and you email it to Paul at LashcastPodcast.com, you'll be entered into a drawing for $200, which we will be doing at the end of the month. On behalf of my Lash Czar, Tustany, as well as our special guest, Mary, I want to thank you so much for taking some time to listen. Keep on lashing, and remember, you have a friend in the lash industry. 